Chapter Eleven of Some Everyday Folk and Dawn by Miles Franklin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Andrew disgraces his rarin. The silence that fell upon Dawn and myself was unbroken when we went to tea, and seemed to have affected the whole company, or else it was the conversational powers of Andrew, who was absent, which were wanting to enliven us. He ought to be home," said Grandma. "He's got no business away." and the place can't be kept in an uproar for him when the girls want to go out." The old lady had determined to take a vigorous interest in politics, and spoke of going to hear the meetings later on herself. It presently transpired that Andrew had not been looking to his grandma for all that went into his stomach so religiously, as he should have been. Just as he was under discussion, he made a dramatic entry, and fell breathlessly in his grandma's armchair near the fireplace. The usual occupant glared at him in astonishment, and demanded a explanation, which came immediately, but not from Andrew. Instead, there was a loud and imperative knocking at a side door, and when Carrie, after cursing the white ants which had made the door hard to open by throwing it out of plumb with their ravages, at last got it open, there appeared an irate old man carrying a stout stick. It was plain that he too had been running, in short, was in pursuit of Andrew, who had quite collapsed in the chair. "'I've come, missus, to warn you, to keep your boy out of my orange orchard,' he gulped. Six or seven times I've nearly caught him and young Bray in it, but to-night I run him down, and only they escaped me. I'd have given the father of a scalpin. If I catch him there again, I'll bring him before the court and give him three months. But you being a neighbour, I'd like to give you a show of keeping him out first. The old dame, Allah herself, had been in the act of pouring milk, and sprinkling sugar on some boiled rice which frequently appeared on the menu during Carrie's week in the kitchen, previous to handing it to Miss Flip, but she waved her hand, thereby indicating that in so dire an extremity we were to be trusted with the sugar basin ourselves. In fact, that any laxity in this item would have to be let slide for once. After the manner of finely strung temperaments with the steel in them, which wear so well, and to the last remain as sensitive as a youth or maiden, Mrs. Martha Clay then rose from her seat, visibly trembling, but with a flashing battle light in her eyes. "'What have you got to say to this?' she demanded, turning on her grandson. "'I never touched none of his bloomin' old oranges. It was Jack Bray. It wasn't me.' "'Yes,' said she, "'and if you was listening to Jack Bray, it would be you done it all, and he who never done nothing.' "'What's the charge, and what damages have you laid on it?' she demanded of the accuser, fixing him with a fiery glance. "'I ain't going to lay any damages this time. I only thought you'd rather me warn you than not. I know I would with a youngster. I suppose after he ain't done no more than you and me done in our young days, and my oranges being ripe so extra early was a great temptation,' familiarly said the man. "'Well, I don't know what you done in your young days, but I know I never took a pin that didn't belong to me.' None of me children or people either, and as for Jim Clay, he wouldn't think of touching a thing. He was too much the other way to get on in the world, and it ain't any fault of my rarin' that me grandson has hounded down a vagabond," said the old lady in a tragic manner. Seeing her fierce agitation, the lad's pursuer was alarmed and sought to pacify her by further remarking, "'He ain't done nothing out of the way, and I admit the oranges was a great temptation.' The old lady snorted and the colour of her face heralded something verging on an apoplectic seizure. "'Temptation! 
if people was only honest and decent by keeping from the things that ain't any temptation we'd be all fit for jail or asylum pretty thing if he's only to leave alone that which ain't any temptation to him you could put other people's things before me i wouldn't take em not if me tongue was hanging out a yard for em that's the kind of honesty that i've always practised to me neighbours and reared into any one under me and that's the only kind of honesty that is honesty at all she splendidly finished and i'm very thankful to you for informing me i wish you had caught him and scalped the hide off of him it's what i'll do myself soon as i sift the matter the old man bade good-night and departed with his stick he is always sneaking about the lanes and only poked his tongue out at me when i wanted to know where he was maliciously said uncle jake in reference to his grandnephew mean old hide always likes to sit on any one when they're down whispered dawn and carrie to each other a pity andrew hadn't had two tongues to stick out at him miss flip was too dull to be aroused by even this disturbance the only time she showed any feeling was when her uncle paid her clandestine visits her life seemed to be in a terrible tangle more than that in a certus but i did not take a hand in further crushing her she had been kind to me during my indisposition and except in extreme cases live and let live was an axiom i had learned to carefully regard knowledge of the slight chance of circumstances or opportunity which too frequently is the only difference between a good person and a bad one success and failure reminds one to be very lenient regarding human frailty now me young shaver i'll deal with you said grandma turning to andrew in whom there appeared to be left no defence never have i seen so old a woman in such a towering rage and rarely have i seen one of seventy-five with vigour sufficiently unimpaired to feel so extremely as she gave evidence of doing this is the first time anything like this has ever happened in my family and if i thought it wouldn't be the last i believe i'd kill you where you are andrew emitted no sound he had given himself up with that calmness one evinces when the worst is upon them when there is nothing further beyond go off to bed as you are without a bit to eat she continued plucking at her little collar as though to get air to-morrow i'll see the braise about this and i'll scalp the skin off of you i'd do it now only there's no knowing where i'd end i feel that terrible upset what would jim clay think now i wonder you god-forsaken young vagabond bringing disgrace upon me at this time of me life i'd be ashamed to walk up town and give me vote as i was looking forward to and me grandson nearly in jail for stealing stealing it's a nice sounding word in connection with one of your own that you've read strict ain't it you snuffed up mighty smart when i asked you your doings now it comes out why you couldn't account for em might as well be in a bloomin' glass case as have to carry a pocket-book round and make a map of where he's been says he it appears a map of your doings wouldn't pass examination by the police how would you have been making an honest way in the world if i wasn't here to be responsible for you oh grandma said dawn seeking to calm her lest the excitement would be too much after all it mightn't be so bad lots of boys take a few paltry oranges out of the gardens and no one makes such a fuss but that old creature he just wants to be officious this was an injudicious attempt at peace is that you speaking dawn lots of boys do it perhaps you will also say lots of girls come home with a baby in their arms once you get the idea in your head that there's no harm because lots do it you're on an express train to the devil 
lots of people do things and some don't and that's the only difference between the vagabonds i've never been and the decent folk i'd cut me throat if i wasn't among and you're the last person i would ever have thought would have upheld a thief well grandma protested dawn i don't uphold him i'm ashamed to be related to him but don't make yourself ill now sleep on it and to-morrow give him rats remember this continued grandma and carry the knowledge through life with you that i can't make your character for you each one has to make their own but seeing the foundation you've been give makes you a disgrace to it it takes you all your time for years and years putting in good bricks to make a good character but you can get rid of it for ever in one act don't forget that and remember that belonging to a respectable family won't stop you from being a thief you're very quick to talk about some of these poor rag-tag about town and i suppose you and jack bray thought you couldn't be the same but you've found out your mistake go to bed now and i'll leather you well tomorrow she concluded encouragingly and andrew lost no time in taking this remand looking to use his own expression as though he had the pip dear me sighed the old lady them as has reared any boys don't know what it is to die of idleness and want of vexation if it ain't something beyond belief one might be that respectable theirself they could be put in a glass case and yet here would be a young vagabond bringing them to shame before the whole district but i don't see that he has done anything very terrible hazily interposed miss flip good gracious if he had been cheeking some one or playing a far-fetched joke i might be able to forgive him but there must be reason in everything and to go and meddle with others property is carrying things too far heed the spark or you may dread the fire is a piece of wisdom i've always took to heart in rare in my family and i notice them as are inclined to look leniently on evil no matter how small never come out the clean potato in the finish trenchantly concluded the old woman and miss flip was so disconcerted that she immediately retired to her room but noticed by no one but me probably the poor girl if gifted with any capacity for retrospection wished that she had heeded the spark that she might not now be in danger of being consumed by the fire End of chapter eleven